0: We're back in the Psalms together this morning, Psalm 16. I invite you to turn there with me. Just thinking how much I miss singing together uh, with all of you as a church family. I think that's one of the reasons why I keep returning uh, to the Psalms. Um, Perhaps even more so, though, is the the comfort and confidence and assurance and hope that these words of the Psalms uh, give to us. Uh, God gives us language to express the way we feel. He gives us language to shape the way we should feel as God's redeemed people. So as you read these psalms uh, together, individually, as a family, I pray that you are being shaped, formed in how to think and respond to whatever situation uh, you may find yourself in. Uh, So here's another song of confidence and trust in the Lord of life and death. There may have been some type of crisis that precipitated the writing of this psalm uh, for David, but we don't get that sense as we're reading. We get a sense that this was more of a time of peace uh, for David, maybe earlier in his reign uh, before we really see the, uh, the surrounding nations um, increase in their hostility uh, towards uh, Judah. But its focus is so much on the goodness of God, uh, his care at all times. Uh, so please follow along as I read Psalm 16. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand, our pleasures forevermore. I'm not sure we could hear those words enough from God's holy and enduring word. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do praise you for condescending to us, making yourself known through your word. We thank you for the presence of your spirit in this very moment uh, though we are listening and participating in different places uh, yet this day you bind us together by your spirit and you teach us and encourage us mold us into the likeness of christ uh, as your body the church lord i pray for just physical strength in the proclamation of your word today lord make us attentive as we listen help us by your spirit as we apply this word to our lives, we pray this all in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. And we can do any number of things when we get bored, uh, spending time at the house, which we've done a little bit more of uh, in these last last month and a half or so, and one of the most common things I think we do when we get bored is we wander into the kitchen and we open up that refrigerator door, or maybe the pantry, and look for uh, a snack. Uh, we may not be all that hungry, or it hasn't been that long since we've eaten, but there may be a granola bar, or a beef stick, or a brownie, or a slice of pie that has our name on it. Remember this last week, my wife made one of our favorite pulled pork dishes. Just melt in your mouth, you know, put the pork in the crock pot, melt in your mouth sandwiches. And uh, <laughs> thinking of pork production doesn't bounce back. After things begin to open up, we may need a special prayer service because I love that stuff. And um, so, after one sandwich and then two, I decided I would, you know, maybe need to slow down after a third sandwich. And uh, you know, my metabolism is still um, fairly high, but, but there's something else going on here because um, there's a little window for me to to see maybe an often undetected sin. The same one that's putting on those COVID pounds uh, that are being talked about right now. If one person in the family loves to cook and another one loves to bake, and you both have plenty of time for both, then uh, gluttony is not far behind. Um, I want more, and it's there, and so I'll take some more. And so the Lord's showing me a potential idol an object of worship, or or just this expectation that my satisfaction can actually be found in something, someone other than the Lord. I'll take care of it. I'll satisfy this craving and let it go unchecked. Something maybe I don't consider often enough. So what idols, maybe what undetected sins might the Lord be showing you during this time, during a time of, of slowdown and separation? Even though the economy is really slowing down, the idle factory that is our hearts is not slowing down one bit. And So we need to hear, we need to sing the words of this song to our hearts. Teach us, remind us, assure us that our lasting satisfaction is in God. That's something we can't overdo. We can't be gluttonous when feasting upon Him and His promises. So in Psalm 46 last week, we were reminded we can have every confidence in God. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our fortress, unshakable, when everything around us seems to be shaking. And we see this confidence carried into a psalm like this one in 16. and, And how King David experiences this, there's a confidence in the Lord and this bears fruit. There's benefits that come to, or come from, uh, looking to God in faith. Uh, his affections are centered on the Lord, and there appears to be this cycle: confidence and the blessing, uh, in the first six verses, and that uh, cycle repeating in the last uh, five verses. <clears throat> so, the protection and safety of the Lord—not just a one-time stop for the king—this uh, is ongoing. He has, and he will continue to take refuge in the Lord. Austin and Kristen Brash, living up in Jonesboro, came to mind as I was reflecting on this, remembering how Austin shared that he and Kristen and and their their baby, uh, Johnny, they huddled in the closet when those tornado sirens went off. They grabbed the dog and they all huddled in the closet as this tornado went ripping through their neighborhood or right next to their neighborhood. Um, They took refuge in this closet, all the while crying out, to their true and ultimate refuge. Lord, keep watch. Preserve us in this moment. And in God's mercy and loving kindness, uh, they left that closet unharmed. But those who love and fear the Lord, who serve Him above all, find their refuge, they take shelter in Him. And that's at all times, times of sickness and health, Times of relative peace and calamity. uh, Times of attack by those who may be enemies of the cross. Confidence of the psalmist. Continues, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. A challenging phrase here in the original text, but I think the closest and simplest form is the best. My good, my welfare is not beyond you. It's not in addition to you. The Lord is the source of all that is good. So there's no real prosperity, no real flourishing apart from his favor. Um, It does not begin, um, it only begins and ends with him. Uh, I think it's echoed in Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Lord, you are good. Even the good things that you have made allow us to know just how good you are. We can see our real heart's desire for goodness. Okay, do we have the heart of the psalmist here? Do we believe that the Lord is our ultimate good? And he's not saying that we can't enjoy the good things from the hand of the Lord. That in itself would be a front to his fatherly love for us. He can be a bit over the top. Giving generously. So we need to receive the, the good gifts of our God. With thankfulness like pork sandwiches. Or a beautiful a sunny day. And a gentle breeze like we have today. Rested bodies. Hobbies. All of these things. We should be thankful for these things. But we don't put our trust and hope in them. Our trust and hope is in God, the giver of these gifts. It's what makes these things so good. We can rightly enjoy the good gifts of the Lord only if He is our ultimate good. If that's not the case, then when these gifts, when these things are stripped away from us, when they're gone, it only leaves us fearful, it only leaves us angry or in despair. The gifts have become that source of affection and trust. Uh, And when that idolatry takes shape, this is where David goes in verse 4, it leads to more and more trouble. Uh, He contrasts his delight in the holy ones, uh, verse 3, which we'll come to, and then those who chase after other gods. These are gods he won't even name, he won't even acknowledge their existence. We don't know if there were specific practices that Uh, David had in mind here, but uh, certainly the pagan rituals were alive and well in the nations that surrounded him, to to include human sacrifice. And even the people of Israel would run after this idolatry and ungodliness uh, in the years ahead, forgetting their true king. But it has no place, it is incompatible with those who place their trust and confidence in the sovereignty and goodness of God. I want to just reel this in a little bit. Uh, When we chase after other gods in our sin, it may be pleasure, it may be prosperity, it may be just property, prestige. About all the words that start with P that I can think of at the moment. Um, It's not only exhausting when we chase after these things, but it leads to more and more suffering. Um, I think we're starting to see this just in our response to the pandemic in some ways. If God is not our ultimate good, if he is not our refuge now and forever, then this life, the personal peace and health of this body is all there is. And that's going to dictate our responses in a time like this and the the level of risk that we're willing to take to protect this body. Um, And so we distance, we close up shop, um, we do this on a wide scale, and I think very appropriately uh, in many cases, I'm not criticizing that response. However, it's showing us our true God, what we will run after or quarantine ourselves uh, for. And what we're finding, and I fear that this is only going to grow is that there will be more suffering, despair, abuse, financial ruin, murder. Abortion industry is is red hot in this community. More loss of life than what will result from this virus. So there is a certain risk that must be assumed if we value all life and a hope that stretches beyond just the right now and the immediate needs and health of this body. And it was, it's much more complicated than just you know turning off the faucet of the economy and slowly turning it back on. I mean, people are really dying. And some of them from this virus. But running after the gods of the age, what sorrow and suffering will we leave uh, in its wake? And this is where Christians have really entered in over the centuries, and they're doing that right now. Now, those who take refuge in God, who see Him as the ultimate good, can assume some risk, can enter into the suffering because we value life so highly, a life that endures for all eternity. And so it may be the setting up of um, a field hospital or, or, or delivering food Praying by the bedside of someone who's ill, if that's permitted. Just working to bring people together because we see the importance of that during this time. I think when we look back, we consider the life of Jesus as he brings the kingdom of God to bear. We don't see him standing six feet away with a mask as he heals. And it's no commentary on social distancing or whether to wear a mask or not. But he assumed some risk. He entered into the suffering. He went into the room of the dying. He he touched the diseased. It was personal. It was sacrificial. It was hopeful for those who who were receiving this this contact. And, And it was love. Above all, Jesus enters into... The mess of our humanity. He carries our sorrows. He suffered and died so that we could live now and forever. How could He do this? Because He took refuge in His Father. He loved Him. He loved all those He came to save. Jesus knew and knows now that life can only be found. The ultimate good can only be found in God alone. And living in obedience to Him. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. So it's Christ, the name of Jesus, that is on our lips. It's Jesus that unites us. It's Jesus that distinguishes us as saints in the land. Back to verse 3. One commentator said, it's not their talents or achievements, certainly not their likeness to each other. Uh, It is what God has done for them in Christ they're consecrated God has set them apart and robed them into glory and majesty that belongs to him alone I mean that's a pretty high view of the Saints is that how we are used to thinking about each other thinking about God's people the community of the Saints if we're looking with a biblical lens part of a gospel culture, then we are seeing and talking about what is good and excellent and praiseworthy of one another within the church. The default of the old self of the world is comparison and criticism and distrust, maybe even slander. But that's not how we are to think about our brothers and sisters in union with Christ. I've really had to check my default here. Maybe you do as well. The communion of saints really is a gift of our God. And it's, it's His desire for us. We're intended to be connected within the church and, and cultivate that familial affection within the body of Christ. We should be on the lookout. I know it's a little harder right now. We hope that that this time will soon end and we can be closer to one another. But being on the lookout for those who are devoted to Christ who are his humble servants and want to be uh, in their company. So there's a great blessing and benefit to the confidence that the psalmist has in the Lord, and we see that in verses 5 and 6. We stopped by the chiropractor uh, this last month, and I was told I needed to drink more water. Uh, Probably good advice for um, most of us, because I don't drink enough water on a day-to-day basis. My wife... um, Drinks water like a superstar. And she uses this a lot of the time, uh, this uh, teal-colored cup. But on it, she has verse 5 of Psalm 16. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. Um, So she gets her essential nourishment from uh, this cup. and I just love that picture of the nourishment and the life that is ours in the Lord. Um, and David doesn't say, you know, Lord, give me a portion, or, or, or you just give me one portion, or the best portion. It, it, he is our portion and our cup. He is the food and the drink, the complete meal, satisfying all of our needs. His inheritance is God himself. Uh, which shouldn't sound too strange if we remember Uh, The land inheritance given in the Old Testament. How much land did the Levites, uh, the people that God chose to be priests, uh, among His inheritance, how much land did they receive as an inheritance? I'll just read from Numbers 18 to remind us. And the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. So the Lord was their portion. And now David sings, everyone who sings this song within the covenant community knows this isn't just for you know, the priestly uh, Levites. Uh, this is for the royal priesthood that is God's people. You can see that in Exodus 19. This is an inheritance for every member within the household of God. And having property, having A good and fertile land was uh, so very important in Israel. It showed prosperity. It showed security. So Now there is that security, that stability that belongs to the church. The lot has been cast and, and our God holds that lot. The most precious and valuable land inheritance is ours. The Lord holds it for you and me. Lord gave his people that land flowing with milk and honey. And we can rejoice, give thanks for the bounty of the land in which we live. We should be doing that often, but this is no less true for our brothers and sisters who have very little, who are living in a wasteland. Our inheritance is secure. And we look forward to, to a better, more beautiful, heavenly land. The best is certainly. Yet to come. Our inheritance is waiting in the kingdom of our God. And I hope that's motivating. It's Motivating to think about that. That we can live with joy and expectancy right now. With all the goodness of God that we're experiencing right now. As only a taste. It's only going to get better in glory. This theme, this, this blessing that's repeated at the end of the psalm. The psalmist's confidence in the Lord continues in verses 7 and 8. And the particular blessings that come to those whose heritage is in the Lord God. David praises the Lord for instruction and in how to live in a way that honors him. In a way that is uh, obedient. And at night he's not restless or you know, awake with worry. It's a purposeful a meditation and the Lord's instruction. I have set the Lord always before me. His eyes are fixed on the goodness of God. But also the, the ways of the Lord, wanting to walk uh, in a way that uh, pleases him. That certainly wasn't true all the time for King David. It's not always true for us. But this is something that is always forever true of the one who reigns on the throne of David yet today. The Lord Jesus never faltered. He never shifted his gaze from the will of the Father. He is the true and faithful David who has set the Lord, the joy of the Lord, obedience to the Lord always before him. Our king, our priest, now sits at the right hand of the Father. And for all who are in Christ, for you, for me, fix our eyes upon Him. We have Him at our right hand. He is our advocate in the courts of heaven, our closest companion on this journey of faith. He's ever before us. Even as we consider the uncertainty of these times that we're in, the spread of disease, the loss of jobs and income, isolation, the ideological battles, That continue to mount. It would be good for us to make the words of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20 our own. Here are the enemies of God's people. They're on the march. They're ready to do battle. And so Jehoshaphat cries out to God. We are powerless against this horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are fixed on you. We fix our eyes Upon the Lord. We will not be shaken. In those closing verses. We have returned to the benefits. The special fruit of faith. With eyes fixed on Christ. There is a renewed joy. A replenished joy in our hearts. And on our lips. Joy in the God who holds our inheritance. Who secures us. Who keeps us. That really has a way of driving out fear, driving out anxiety. Our flesh dwells secure, as does our eternal souls. We get to verse 10. We might ask what David was talking about here uh, in this verse. It seems <clears throat> He seems to have the utmost confidence that he's protected in life and in death. And here's a, a great example, of what we call the analogy of Scripture, the analogy of faith. We use the Bible to interpret the Bible. One of the best places to start in reading the Old Testament is to ask the question, is this verse or is this passage uh, referred to in the New Testament? Is it alluded to or is it quoted directly? Uh, For verse 10, it's an easy yes. Both the Apostle Peter in Acts 2 uh, and Paul in Acts 13 refer to this verse in support of the resurrection. The body of the Lord Jesus saw no corruption or decay. So David is singing, we're singing of the resurrection power of God. David knew the promises of God and with a prophetic voice speaks of the resurrection of his eternal heir. Even with a confidence that death does not um, eliminate or sever his relationship with God. Resurrection of Jesus gives us confidence the most glorious benefit of life in him and though our bodies return to the dust we will not suffer that that corruption of, of banishment from God's uh, presence we're redeemed in body and soul um, we're given life that the safety of our whole existence goes into eternity um, maybe that's a special comfort for you today or comfort to one that you love. In Jesus, we have nothing to fear, church. Nothing to fear. We can sleep soundly, knowing that we will rise. We will rise to another day, or we will rise to our eternal day. Jesus, because He's risen for us. The almost ends with one degree of joy after another, walking the path of life, walking quorum Deo, before the face of God. That is the path of joy, the path of rest for the faithful. Wisdom to walk this path can only come from the Lord, and there's great blessing in that. And the Lord makes this call through the prophet Jeremiah, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your soul. Brothers and sisters, there is lasting joy in fellowship and obedience to God. So what we're given glimpses, just echoes of beauty and pleasure today. But we ain't seen nothing yet. Eternal pleasure, eternal joy, satisfaction with our God. So that extra snack, the extra sandwich that we really don't need, you know, our hearts may be more gluttonous than we think. We're craving for more, trying to fill our hearts by filling our bellies. But that more, more, more only leaves us empty and discontent. And so we look to Christ. We feast on Christ. How I long to return to the table. We're going to push it off to the side a little bit there. But to return and commune together at the Lord's table. His resurrection, his life, is, is that foretaste of glory in his very presence with the Father. There's fullness of joy. Um, though we do not see him now, we believe. Social distancing will be, it you know, won't even register as an idea. There'll be no lack of pleasure or purpose. No craving for more because we have all we could ever need and desire. And the Lamb of God slain for us. Christ is our all in all. And at His right hand, the right hand of God, there is pleasure forevermore. So do not take your eyes from Him. Let's pray together. Father, we can only say amen uh, to these sweet words of the psalmist to offer the words the dear brother has shared. You alone are to be desired and treasured. Compared to you, O God, all other gold is fool's gold. All other currency counterfeit. All other riches are rotting rubbish. Everything good we have comes from you. You are the fountain of pleasure and delight. The wellspring of joy and satisfaction. You give cheerfully, not begrudgingly. You love lavishly, not reservedly. You redeem fully and not partially. Lord, in Your time and in Your way, You make all things beautiful and You will make all things new. We praise You in Jesus' name. Amen.